Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game, Rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to reasonable languages for all ages, listeners should know that this is a podcast that may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., may bear resemblance to persons living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Okay, welcome back, and welcome in for a spotlight episode on our good friend, the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Sigmund von Tartenbach. Yes, welcome back. <laughs> and so we find ourselves and Sigmund tonight uh, in his office. This uh, timeline-wise is uh, just about the morning or so after the morning of the events at the meatpacking plant that put everybody's timeline in order properly. Uh, and you'd given Lily a day or two off, and that's getting close to coming to an end. But this is one of the first days you're going to have back at the office by yourself. A little bit of normalcy will definitely go a long way <laughs> after the last weekend. Indeed. You do have some things in the office here that need attention. Hmm. I think it's time to hire a cleaning lady, personally. <laughs> yeah, and maybe somebody with a better mop. Because yeah, the one I've had is just it's smoldering. <laughs> you know, the floors here are, well, maybe they need a little bit deeper of a cleaning. Mm. You also have a, a, a body that's mid-autopsy. Yeah, I should probably do something about that. You should, you yeah. should. You head into the back room. Mm where the cultist's body lays still on the emergency cart that Mr. Forsythe had placed him on. Mm -hmm. uh, you can still see the heavy straps that were used to, to hold the body down. You see the pocked mouth and lower throat area where, uh, where the burn marks are from when the cultist had spit out whatever disgusting spewed his file bile <laughs> yes uh, and you can kind of still retrace the mental steps there of what happened it all if all feels very fresh even after everything that went down uh, in underneath the secret place of one Jonathan Swift the smell is still lingers in this room it clings to the tile and the brickwork back here just ever so slightly not so much that it would overpower your nose but enough to where it's it hints at, at your nostrils. It never really goes away. No, it doesn't okay. seem to. doesn't seem to. Uh, so what will you end up doing with the body? Uh, the body. Um, well, that, I've been giving that some I've been giving that some thought and I'm of two schools. Um, he's a cultist. And he's not probably going to be registered under whatever name he was in at in Dunning. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, there's no real link between him and us other than, you know, he's briefly seen between, you know, like we were briefly seen with a person kind of matching his description. Right. 
and I do happen to know of a place with a really big hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as, as, as unethical doctor wise as that is, uh, you know, this this is a, a strange days made for make for odd bedfellows, as yeah. it were. <laughs> I do think, just based off of what I know of Sigmund. I think he is educated and intelligent enough to know that it would be potentially dangerous to return to the yeah, to the stockyards exactly. at any point in time in the, in the near future. Anyway, yeah. and getting tied to any of that, I mean, cultist wise or authorities wise, is, yeah, is would mean the end of his career probably. So, it is. Um, um, you hear the doorbell, the actual physical ring of the doorbell, ah, ah. and you are fairly certain that you'd lock the front door. One moment. I head up front. You head up front and you see, uh, surprisingly, that Lily's walked through the front door. Oh, I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doctor. It's Monday and I didn't really know what else to do with myself. That's, that is fine, Lily. Um, I understand entirely. Of course, if you wish to take the day off, you're more than welcome to. But if you wish to come in and, uh, well, help me. Um, you can see that the door, she's not fully through the door just yet. Mm. Um, she seems to be, um, with her body language, uh, giving some attention with her shoulders to something to her right that is still yet obscured. Can there is a... a, a a person I found here waiting outside, and they're insistent. Mm, bring him in. She opens the door and helps um, a, a, a man about in his probably late thirties or mid late late thirties or forties. Uh, he seems to be having a difficulty walking. He's a bit. Uh, he's struggling to put one foot in front of the other. He seems to almost lean a bit on on Lily to get into the door and she helps him to a nearby chair. He's uh, got relatively slick back brown hair. He's dressed in more workman's clothes than a fine suit. Um, He definitely has uh, he definitely has the look of someone who uh, has recently gone through maybe a fever. Uh, He's a bit Pallid, pallid, maybe some some sweat beads on the top of his brow, and he definitely grabs at his knees when he sits down. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, Lily. It's a very husky voice. Please have a seat, rest for a moment, and I will be right oh, back. Thank you, thank you, Doctor. Hmm. You hear a hint of Austria. Oh. Make note of that. I, uh, I she steps in back with you and, mm-hmm. and takes off her coat and puts her effects down and then puts on her regular uh, not nurse's jacket or assistant's jacket but mm. it's the next best thing right right uh, I, I'm sorry <laughs> don't, don't worry don't worry Liebchen it's fine it's fine we are a doctor and uh, a closed sign means very little in the medical profession so what we are wondering is where did you find him was he just outside Yes, he was outside. Mm, okay. Well, then we will give him a look over. He looks like he was previously ill, but I will see what I can, fig- see what I can find. Um, Lily, I would like you to prepare him for an examination, please. Uh, I have one yeah. or two things in the back here to take care of, and then I will be right up. Uh, there are 
I'm sorry, there, I'm sure that there are other places he could go if he needed to. Hmm. Make me a psychology roll. Psychology is 48 now, two over. Um, you could spend down a few points of luck. You know what? I think I will. Um, to make that a success. I think I will. I think I will spend four points. Okay. You take half a breath and you realize it's the first time you've ever heard Lily consider not treating a patient. There's something strange there. You're not sure what it is. Close the office door over so that he can't hear us. Mm -hmm. uh, back to my personal office. Mm -hmm. Lily, what seems to be the problem? You don't look as though you trust him. I don't think you should treat this patient. Well, Lily, I took an oath. I do not have the luxury of treating or not treating a patient. She grimaces. I understand. Why, Lily, may I ask, do you think I should not? I, I do not want to say... I do, not, I do not want to say. Is this a feeling you have, or is she it something ashamed. more concrete? It's... Uh, Personal? In so many ways. Is this related to you? No, no. Hmm. He... I... I will... I... She starts crying. Oh. Oh, Liebscher. <laughs> he... Uh, can tell me. I do not think you should treat this patient. You hear from the other room. Doctor, please. All right. Lily? Just this once. I will look the other way. And I will trust you. Okay? Okay. Liebchen. Okay. I lift, lift her head up and look her in the eyes. However, you know my oath. And I cannot do this again. Do you understand? I, I do. I do understand. Okay. So we will take him to the nearby hospital. We'll take him to Chicago General. Mm. Yeah. All right. And yeah. so when we leave the office here, I want you to call me a cab. She's wiping the yeah. tears from her eyes. You call a cab for him, and I will help escort him there personally. That yeah. will be the closest I will take him to treating him, okay? Oh, okay. I okay. cannot turn my back on him. I understand. I go out to the room. Go back into the general practitioner office. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you see, he's he is taken off of he's taken his right boot off, mm -hmm. and what you see is his right foot is swollen mm -hmm. and it's almost pockmarked, like he has something wrong with his foot. In like it. something's eating it. Yeah, not so much something's eating it, but it looks like he has uh, he's developed sores on his skin. Gangrenous. Possibly, or maybe you have to take, Maybe could be. Could be. Um, you'd have to take a little bit closer look at it. At least you're from across the room, anyway. Yeah, I will take. Uh, I'll give it a gander. A medicine roll here. Mm -hmm. uh, I got an eight under seventy-five. So that's that's, under, an, that's an extreme success. success yes. Uh, you take a look at his leg and instantly get dial in on what's going on. He has a severe rash. It is something you've seen once before in person. Mm -hmm. You can't really place where all of a sudden. Mm. But you know that this rash stems from basically 
a, a poor hygiene and a problem with the acidic nature of his blood. Like he's having a his blood's eating its way out. Yeah, it's having an issue like overall with his body. It's a transmitted disease. Like, so is this like a, uh, something you can catch? No, it doesn't. You don't. The last leprosy. Time you, uh, you'd have to check. Oof. You have manuals and whatnot, but you also probably actually need to see it up close. Toward Lily, I would not. Uh, he he reaches his hand up and says, "You see, Doctor, it's as it's as bad as it was before." As before. Make a power roll. That's sanity. Okay, power sixty-five, fifty-four under sixty-five. You, your brain and your vision of the room swims for a second. You don't lose balance, mm-hmm. but you get this feeling at the edge of your vision that suddenly, kind of, crawls its way in and shatters the image in front of you of your office. What replaces it is uh, a long and rolling hill on a very pleasant and warm mountainside. It's shocking. You see several horses in front of you. Several. uh, Maybe six or seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them are packed animals. And what you begin to see as your horse goes closer and closer to the, to the other horses is that the riders that are on these horses are people you know. Hmm. But it doesn't make sense as to the, their place in time. This is... We've never been here, and obviously... You pass Miss O'Shea. <coughs> years younger than you remember meeting her. You come up alongside Mr. Doyle, and he nods to you. You pass Miss Stasi. Mm-hmm. And then you see up ahead in the distance, you see Mr. Forsyth riding on a horse almost seemingly um, in, a, in a state of uh, uh, you know, in a very manly projection of his, his power. He seems to be in his element. This in is the something wild he's here. used to. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in the distance, you make out the image of a stepped uh, pyramid, of a South American style stepped pyramid. So more Incan, less oh yeah, less Egyptian, not Egyptian okay. at all. Okay. And then you hear a horse neigh, and from behind you, you hear Miss O'Shea say, "I see it. There it is, just like the map said." And bang, you're back in your office. And then suddenly you're, you realize that you've not gone to a knee, but you're holding on to a nearby chair. And you're about a meter or two from this patient. And he seems to be looking down at his foot and then looking up at you like... What are you doing? Come look at this. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm finding myself incredibly unwell at the moment. I do not know if I'll be able to help you as well as you need to be. However, I will make sure that you get to a hospital. Uh. We have a Dr. Tottenbach, you're the only person who was able to, to cure this last time. Last time? Yeah. You see Lily come out from the back room. Do I recognize this gentleman? Uh, give me a sand roll. <laughs> oh, fantastic. 
Uh, no, sir. 74 over 68. Oh, uh, you have an immediate bout of uh, just absolute nausea. Oh, fantastic. You lose a point of sand. Oh, lovely. And another memory spikes its way into your brain. You see him laying down on a bed. A couple of years younger, you actually look up and see in the vision, you see that there's a calendar sheet on your desk that shows uh, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Late 1921. Do I remember this? No, I don't remember this at all. No memory of this actually happening. And you see that he that you were applying different ointments and you're applying uh, different uh, powdery medicinal uses to his foot. And you're unwrapping his foot and showing him how it's getting better. You, you almost see this provision as a progression of time. You see your body in different positions and in different times as the uh, sun rises and falls on many of your interactions. And you suddenly remember his last name, Rosberg. Rosberg? Yeah. Rosberg, I came to you years ago with this issue. He puts his foot up and finally able to hoist it on basically on top of a nearby chair. And then he lets out a really long exhale. Oh. Oh. I look at Lily and give her a very obvious like shrug like I don't know she seems defeated I I give her the look of I don't have any choice here I don't think she heads towards the uh, place where you keep pitches for water Mm -hmm. and for uh, she turns into a nurse effectively Mm -hmm. beginning to gather supplies like she would normally do for any patient in the Second vision, mm-hmm. the one that rattles my brains. Oh, yeah. Do I happen to see what powders I'm using? What medicines I'm using? It looks like, for the most part, you're using uh, powders to keep the wound from oozing. You're basically okay. using like a... An astringent a, kind yeah, of Yeah, some a, sort of astringent to keep it from uh, pressing outward. Well, I guess we start probably with that. A cornstarch or talc, most likely, to <laughs> prevent the spreading of the ooze and to dry it up a little. Um, yeah. All right, well, I go get those from the cabinet then. <laughs> It would seem this is what I did last time. Yeah, I, uh, it, it worked uh, for quite a while. I have been doing my best to keep my foot clean, and uh, it's just in the the work on the river. It's very difficult. Well, this is not going to be pleasant. I cut the pant leg up to the knee. Oh, you see that his uh, the lower part of his calf has begun to redden and bulge. It's just slight, but you can tell that it's inflamed. It's inflamed, which means that it's the infection is mm-hmm. spreading. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to have to do something to keep it from being septic. So he's going to need penicillin, and yep. he's going to need something to dry this out, and then some sort of constant drying agent. Um, so I begin, I set about, first of all, a big old syringe of penicillin. Uh, oh, it's got to be pleasant. Oh, this is going to burn like a son of a bitch for him. <laughs> uh, you give him a swift uh, injection and begin the talc procedure to, to mm-hmm. keep the wound from seeping all over. Just give me a general medicine. Roll. All right. 
21. That's pretty good. Under, yeah, that's actually that's under my 37, which is my hard. Good. So uh, You get him from the waiting room into mm-hmm. a bed where you can actually do this properly. Um, good. Mr. Rosberg groans, obviously. He does not want to put any weight on the foot. Uh, you get it off and elevated and then begin working the process, seemingly working back over some of the same methods that you'd seen in this dream, in, the in this weird memory that somehow popped into your head. You remember that you and he seemed to spend hours talking. You talked to him about us, about something for, for a long time. As I'm treating him and then occasionally I'm stopping and just kind of staring at him, you know, Having to, I have to keep reminding myself to continue to treat him as a patient because yeah. I have a weird double set of memories here. Uh, a do. memory and a non-set of memories, which are conflicting. And the doctor uh, that doctor finds that very disturbing. Um, Lily is by. Um, she's nearby trying to help as best she can. Um, but she is definitely very reserved. Uh, it doesn't appear to be... How do I put this? It does not appear to be a direct physical fear of him. More of something he represents? Right. Okay. It's as if he's a calling card for something that she does not want. Something else happens? Yes. I also give him a sedative then. He's going to need something for the pain. Um, Yeah, he takes it for sure. Morphine. Probably that seems to usually be my go-to. And knock, knock people out. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Bang. All right. Um, are, him, are you overdoing it, or are you just trying to give no. him a little bit of a pain? Yeah, I just wanted to. I want to take the edge off, make okay. him a little sleepy. You uh, do. Tell him to relax. Uh, he does seem in the next fifteen or so minutes to relax, but you notice something uh, rather telling, and that is Mr. Rosberg does not fall asleep. Which means he has a tolerance. Uh-huh. So, which means he's been taking this for a while. Yep. All right. Well, I'll give him a little more then. That's more than the doctors in the war gave us. Uh, well, this is not a wound that you found in the war, I did not think. No, no. Just like last time, we, uh, we spent too long there on the river, and uh, he continues to groan, your even bl- through the pain. Your blood has become acidic. It is eating through your veins. Is this due to compression? Yeah. Are you working on the river? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. We're installing a, a new bridge, and they have us down. You are tunneled. Yeah. Hmm. I have heard it's dangerous work. It is work. Well, and that is why I'm here for work. Absolutely, aren't we all? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you are going to get very sleepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would suggest you give in to it. Take a break from the pain. Let Morpheus do his work. You, uh, you know how to treat a patient, Doctor. Eh? <laughs> Nothing but a good time, yeah. <laughs> I do remember the last time you you also used morphine. It, it helped. He seems to kind of just drift, drift out. Yep. Doctor's Journal, March 26th, 1923. Here sits in front of me a, a body, a 
glass jar within it contains what I can only describe as a medical mystery to me. Some small gland that has been removed. Uh, about the size of a fist with a small tube leading down to the esophagus was where I extracted it from. These tissues fascinate me. They don't conform to any known gland that I've seen in a human body before. I've searched through medical texts for years. Uh, there was one brief mention in 1815 of a Dr. Doward who had recorded some strange throat glands in the Salem sediment area, but they were closest to the tonsils, uh, much smaller and not, not uh, what I have, not what I am currently dealing with. I must say, I must tell you that I am completely and utterly baffled as to the extent as to what, where these come from, or how could they possibly enter being into a human body. The tissue itself does remain some further amount of flexibility. It's no longer... It no longer contains the fluids that it had earlier, but a, a thick green substance was quite, quite vile, quite smelly. Got to put it everywhere. There are small amounts of it, but not as much as it was before. I will, of course, extract a small amount for further study later on. As for the body itself, the cavity area with the sac draws several things. I will do more exploratory research organs around it, especially the spleen and various other digestion organs, look like they have mutated into one large organ, such as the one I have in the jar. I can't tell you how much this disturbs me to think that the internal organs would all bundle together and become one horrible, terrifying organ just to be used in such a manner. I, I can't fathom that, no must be something else. And the lower portion of the sac does appear to have another tube used to connect to the stomach. Uh, perhaps it was utilizing, as I said, the gallbladder, the spleen, all of the piles and fluids to produce its disgusting fluid that it expelled. I'm guessing here, grasping at straws, as I say. I will do more research. We will see what comes of it. I go back into my office now that he's out mm -hmm. and find Lily. She's in the front room. She has um, tried to... She's basically wiping down the chair and the doors and anything he Touch. got near. Got near or touched. Yeah. When you are done, my dear. Of course. She finishes up in probably a couple of minutes. You have time to settle in back at your desk. And, um, and make us some coffee. She comes in. Yes, talk to her. So, Lily, never before have I ever heard you suggest such a thing. Do not worry, I am not upset. You have reasons. I do. Did you see something? I did. I can only think of one thing that you might have seen that would prevent you from helping from would prevent you from helping a patient. Uh it is Mr. Rosberg is a decent man. Sure. He, no fault of his own. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot, I, I cannot continue to hide this. Please, 
Do not hide anything from me. Mr. Rosberg came to us several years ago mm -hmm. with a problem with his foot. He was working in the river, just like he is now, and he contracted a sickness, some sort of septic infection. Indeed. indeed. And you took him in, even though at the time you did not feel well, and you worked with him until he felt better. You were able to find the solution. She kind of seems to... You have several of the bottles and stuff like that you mm. use for treatments, mm. and she kind of collects a few on your desk. There is a, a specific treatment for this. I still remember, and she kind of goes through each bottle with each amount. It, it was a jigsaw puzzle you had to put together. It took you a week. I don't disagree. And in fact, I have just recently gained a memory of my own self that of something akin to this. But this brings up the question, why don't I remember it? Do you remember when you started this practice here? Of course. And you remember in around, what, it was three years ago or so I came to work for you. It was 1920. It was the high heat of summer, and I was desperate to find... They would not let me into medical school, and so I was desperate to find someone who would let me work under them, and you were good enough to take me in. Absolutely. I remember you came in, and I had a pile of messages on my desk that was ankle-deep. We, <coughs> we helped each other, and then around a year or so later, you received a call, uh, a very personal call from a man named... Augustus Larkin. The name means nothing to you at the moment. Sure. Mr. Larkin was desperate to have your assistance in South America, specifically Peru. And he told you that he would pay for all the expenses for you to travel to Peru to join him on uh, some sort of expedition. Indeed. You closed the practice for a month. And I stayed here to ferry patients to other doctors that we have friends mm. in the mm -hmm. Chicago Hospital. Colleagues. Yeah. Yes. When you returned from Peru, a man came with you. Uh, a man from New York, I think. He said his name was Jesse. He said that the two of you have been through some pretty difficult times. And that you might take a little while to come around. And so I watched over you. And when I watched over you, when you were still putting yourself back together, Mr. Rosper came through the door with his foot. And I treated him. Did the best you could. And you treated him. And I just know that what we went through to get you back working, I know that I didn't want him to bring all that up again for you. You'd been through so much. We, Jesse said they'd nearly lost you in Peru. 
I've never been to Peru. Make a sand roll. 18 under 68, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Unfortunately, that is going to go against you. Poopy. <laughs> you, Poopy, suddenly are walking in an s- extremely cramped tunnel. It is warm. It is fetid. And around you are your compatriots. You see Miss O'Shea directly in front of you, not but more than a foot. And the two of you are crawling through a very cramped underground passage. It's The air smells like dirty rags that have been left out for more than a year. Moldy old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wet and fetid. <coughs> and ahead of oh, her is Mr. Forsythe. And Mr. Doyle, you guys have come to this location where there's this massive pool of dark water that's obstructing your continued movement through the hallway. And you look down and you see tiny little maggots in the water. Don't go in there. And Miss O'Shea, with her lantern, moves it up and she shines a light directly on the wall nearby in the middle of this strange pool and there seems to be a crack in this wall you're not sure if that's where the water's coming from per se but when Mr. Forsythe takes his walking stick and kind of pushes it out into the water he sees and reacts to the depth of the water his stick nearly goes all the way in. And the stick is five feet. Mm-hmm. And you see Stasi kind of bump in next to you. And you see in her hand, she seems to have this long piece of uh, almost gold inlay. It's almost like a border. Hmm. And it refracts light from Miss O'Shea's lantern. And you see it kind of shine into your face for a moment. And then on the wall, near this crack, you see more of that inlay. Over here. Oh, yes, there it is, Stasi says when she's next to you. Um, she tries to move forward, but there's the water's in the way. Doyle kind of looks around and says, Well, there are some sticks over there. There's a, there's a, there's a crate back there. Everybody stay here. I'm going to make uh, something we can something one of us or two of us can get out on and get that inlay back on that wall. He seems really determined. Hmm. Um, he returns not but maybe a minute or two later with literally some pieces of wood that him and Mr. Forsyth band together and they make a raft. Okay. Be careful. Don't go in the water. Miss O'Shea, Stasi, and Mr. Doyle go out on this raft and you see them with trepidation in your heart you see them move out onto the water just far enough to get close to the wall and they press this together they press this inlay against the wall and you see this kind of fatty fetid substance burble out of the crack and Miss O'Shea screams and her screams echo throughout the cavern. It almost echoes off of... It echoes louder than... It should. It should. And when you turn, you see 
a man behind you. You see a man you know. And it's a dark-skinned gentleman. And he's dressed in a, in a, in a workman's outfit. But he's there with you. He's there to help you. Mm-hmm. And you see him and you instantly identify him as a man named Jesse. Hmm. And he grabs you and says, I think Larkin's down here somewhere. We need, we need to get out now. And he, When he says the word now, it reverberates against your skull. Almost a punch, oh, punch yeah. to the head, kind yep. of a... And from behind you, the wails of terror begin from your fellow, from your friends. Mm-hmm. And they suddenly are coming back onto the block of this tunnel hallway uh, and they're desperate to get out. You collectively run as a ball of massed terror. Limbs and fear. Yes. Limbs and fear. And you churn your way out. Uh, And as the darkness begins to bleed towards the outside starlight that's there, the sky cracks in half. And you're back in your office. And Lily has you, like, by the shoulder. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm sorry, what? Doctor, are you okay? I don't... I don't know, Lily. I have no idea. You see two Lilies for a moment, and they finally incorporate into one person. I... I'm back. This is... This is... What happened the last time Rosberg was here? You, this is what you were coming out of. I don't think he's causing it. It's just... There is something in my head. Something I'm not remembering. I've been reading some recently. Can I do a psychology roll? Absolutely. Are these repressed memories? Uh-huh. Eight under four... Eight under nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which um, is my extreme heart, or my you, extreme. You are fairly certain that these are repressed memories, that something so horrible or terrifying happened that your brain, in a protective way, has Has, decided to completely cover it up. He's made a pearl out of the grain of sand that's in my brain. Has had to. I don't think... He's not the one causing it, Lily. These, These are things that are in my head and in the heads of those around us, I think. Something happened. Something that has been burying them. Unfortunately, now it seems as though I have no choice but to dig them back up. I don't want to. So far, they have been most unpleasant. She looks at the bookcase in your office, the tall one, and she seems to look towards the top of it. Did I leave a journal? Uh, All I know is you stuck a folder up there before you left. And I've tried for several years not to go anywhere near it turn towards the bookcase okay i i close my eyes and i reach for where i would put something like that okay you reach up and you go left all the way into the corner and you feel a manila file folder my heart kind of drops out from underneath me oh yeah uh bring it down You bring it down. (laughs) 
what you see there is an international telegram. Radiograma. <laughs> Thank you for joining the expedition. Stop. Please join me in Lima. Stop. Have booked you room at Hotel Murray. Stop. Meet 18 March at 7 p.m. at bar. Just stop. Augustus Larkin. So this is from that Larkin that I was in my brain. Uh, the 20th, 1920. So apparently I have met this Larkin. Apparently when, when you came back, Jesse helped you in the building. He didn't explain much to me. He just said that it had been a real tough trip and that you would need time before you, before you were your old self again. And so I, I took care of you for about a month before Mr. Rosberg showed up. We did all sorts of normal stuff and we got back to the books after about two weeks and then Mr. Rosberg was one of the first new patients you took on and you never spoke to me about anything Peru. that transpired in Peru? Nothing. And James, the, the tough part for you and tough part for Sigmund is that when you and you've probably been the past 10 minutes or so searching mm. your brain for these memories. Mm. And it's like they're, other than the visions you've had, it's like they don't exist. It's There's like nothing. It's it's a gap in time. Um, humans, for the most part, can remember what they did, maybe the high points of stuff they did two, sure. three, four, five years ago. But for you, if you'd gone on vacation, if Sigmund had gone on vacation, he would remember going on vacation. If I was in Peru, I would remember going to Peru. That's yep. a fairly sizable thing. But when you try to dial your memory back to that point in time in 1921... Gray fog. It's like there's an, a massive wall between you and whatever's there. I'm going to have to study the one thing that I have... that I avoid studying at all costs. My own brain. Hmm. Thank you for not telling me this, Lily. Don't worry. I am so sorry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I hold nothing against you. You are only worried about my own well-being. I am here if you need assistance in talking through those memories. I may. I may. Um, I have recently also begin my study of the human brain. Psychology, as really? it were. <clears throat> yes. There's a gentleman in Austria who is producing some really interesting research. Uh, young. Uh, he is fascinating. Uh, however, I, uh, I may need your help with this. Doctor's Journal, March the 27th, 1923. After looking deeper into the body, the body that I have procured, it would seem that the phoenix, the phoenix and the trachea have seen the worst of the after effects. This green goo is everywhere, and I have been spending just as much time doing this autopsy cleaning as I have actually evisceration, which is unfortunate. I am not a maid, but with what you in the name of science. It looks as though the teeth and heart palate have been affected only as much as that I have had to remove the goo, uh, alcohol, or um, since he is deceased, I have attempted turpentine as well. Alcohol, rubbing alcohol seems to work, isopropyl seems to work as well. He seemed to be overall in fairly good physical condition. 
above and beyond the limitational aspects of this is the scar itself I have had time to examine, and this scar has been here quite a while, but it's not done all at once, it's not a brand, it is not a one ritual. This this scar took, took quite a while. What disturbs me is that even if this was done by himself, it shows a horrible willpower, uh, a means to anything, perform almost any task, and that terrifies me. Their intent could be anything, and with this kind of horrible drive behind them, we really should be worried. It looks like the scar itself, for you see, was actually put down in small bits over time by someone himself or someone else, and this, this means that they were in there for a while, doing whatever it is with this group of people they were having done to them. I shudder to think of the other things that could have been done to them over the same amount of time. Nine. This is not good. I will continue my research, and we will see what we can find out. Perhaps I'll be doing a good number of people a great service. Okay, so your treatment of Rosberg as the hours and day or so goes forward, what are you planning on... What are you planning for him? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I've, I've got a pretty good chemical course here. Uh, it's kind of bootstrap information. Apparently, I've already done this one time before. Seems to be the truth. So uh, I will, um, I guess, take the information that Lily gives me and that I saw in my vision and kind of extrapolate a slightly more modern cure from that if I can. I mean, I, it's only been a couple of years. I doubt there's going to be any kind of real advances on what I've put together previously. It doesn't, it doesn't appear so. Uh, the first treatment that you you batch up probably isn't as effective as you'd like, but within maybe six to eight hours of him being under treatment, mm. you think that the the rash area has dropped by maybe twenty five percent. Okay, so it's all it's already receding. It's and... receding a bit. The top of his uh, or the top area above his ankle has already stopped being so inflamed fantastic so okay. the penicillin seems like it's working really well right. thanks to your excellent extreme role <laughs> penicillin <laughs> is working well and uh between that and the the drying agent i think we will have this at least stabilized yeah uh definitely keep the oozing try to keep the oozing down um obviously i'm not rubbing salt in the wounds or anything but no, no, uh, no, no. a drying agent is definitely no. like a cornstarch something like that you can tell though within the first couple of treatments that the morphine does not last as long on Rosberg as it would on everybody else you've used it on. He's been dealing with this, something like this for quite a while, or this exact thing for quite a while. Well, he, in conversation, tells you that uh, his wife, before she passed, was able to use her contacts at the local hospital Mm. to obtain morphine for him in very small doses. And then at one point he went to the one of the veteran society meetings and told them that he'd suffered some terrible shell shock. He did only he only did that so that way he could get a hold of morphine. Mm. So and he's he, been self medicating effectively for for quite a while the past several years, only because. I want to check his arms then too. Uh, yeah, it does not appear he has any syringe marks on okay. his arms or. Uh, 
his el- inner elbows area. What he does show you, though, is a pack, um, probably about as big as a, a cigarette pack, maybe mm-hmm. a little longer. You see little vile drams of... It's a, it's a kit, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's got his own kit. He he tells you, I, I would have I come back sooner. I just... Some of the conversations we had when... When I was here last October, were troubling. You, you were not well. I was not well. We were quite a team. <laughs> I imagine we were uh, incomprehensible to the regular average American as well. Mm. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't remember a lot of that. Mm. Little bits here and there. They are coming back to me. You said that you uh, you'd come back from somewhere in the south, and that you mentioned you kept mentioning that there were these horrifying people in the south. You you it was uh, still to this day the stories they horrify me. They talked of a man with rows of sharp teeth in his mouth and uh, rather unbelievable physical abilities. I wish I could say they were completely unbelievable. My experiences as of late have restructured my beliefs as to what is possible and what is not, unfortunately. You kept mentioning a man named Jesse. Yeah, his name does keep coming up. Did I ever mention a last name? I don't know. I I cannot remember. I just remember he was a... He was... You had mentioned him as a... A man from New York. And that he had some... He'd pulled you out Hmm. of Peru before things became deadly Jesse from New York hmm well that should that should refine the search then yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yes. he was a uh, I think you said he was a writer hmm a writer from New York and I never gave you a last name nine hmm well I will find him Apparently, it's imperative. He seems to know more about me than I know about me at this moment. A dangerous thing. The leg, how how long do you think before I can go back to work? I would give it not... I would not go back to work more than a week. You're going to need to take some time off. Oh, my bosses will... Your bosses will understand, unless they want to put a talc on your leg. Mm. Your bosses give you problems. You, You have them come talk to me. Would you, would you write something for me that I can give them? I, I will write off a couple of scripts for you. Thank you, thank you. I write him a script for work, mm-hmm. and I write him a script for a small, moderate subscri- uh, prescription for morphine. You are, you are concerned f- that for him, but I don't want him to be saving it up and having a problem on my dime. Yeah, you just from his um, 
interactions with your pain medications, you are concerned he may be not only just developing a tolerance for it, but an addiction. But he may be developing a a taste for it, let's say. And so you'd probably want to be a little careful. Exactly. Um, The next day or so, you watch him. uh, He doesn't have any family or friends that seem to drop by. He seems to be... You you get through conversation that uh, Mr. Rosberg, Hans Rosberg, is uh, is alone. That uh, his wife was barren, not able to bear him any children, and that he they came to initially came to Chicago from New York, and before that they were in Germany or in, in Austria, and uh, and yeah, they had come to hope that America would be the place where they would start a family and, and all these visions and, and all these things that they'd wanted to do and it just never worked out for them. America does not give to everyone. It Quite does, often she takes away. It does seem that way. Yeah. Uh, but after two days or so, he takes his leave. Uh, the swelling has gone down a good 50 to 75% and so he's able to put his now clean shoes on because Lily did mm. at some point clean them out mm-hmm. just to make sure that there weren't any Bacterial oh, yeah. remnant. Uh, they smell quite a bit like bleach. Yes. <laughs> um, but she is able to clean them out and get them working again. And uh, he does take his leave. He thanks you. Uh, he hopes he hasn't caused you any trouble. Nine. You've not caused me any trouble. If nothing else, you have opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. He uh, limps noticeably away. But uh, he is. Uh, he says that he has enough money to, to call a... Uh, taxi or a cab or something like that to get him I have really uh, call him one yeah to get him get him home he should he, not walk on that and no. I remind him um, very adamantly that he should at least take at least a few more days off he tells you that uh, he's willing to wait until next Monday it's about Wednesday now very good and that he hopes that he's strong enough uh, to go to work then very good very you think good. he will be good Good, good. Yes. If there are any problems or complications, of course, you come back and talk to me. Thank you, Doctor. Nine. Doctor's Journal, March the 28th, 1923. Unfortunately, I am running into a severe problem with research on these specimens. As they decay so quickly, they fall apart. There's a, um, not exactly an evaporation effect, but an advanced state of destruction in the materials itself, just exposed to common air. Almost as if they weren't supposed to exist in the first place, and nature is crossing them out, which I suppose is not bad. I do have a jar, however, that still has a small amount of the fluid in it, and only a small lump of tissue removed from the girl that was brought in. She was pretty, but unfortunately, there was nothing I could do. I have it under a warming burner right now, and undergoing some tests. So far, it has passed 200 and something degrees, 235 degrees. It's higher than water and has yet to boil. And as I am watching, it is surpassing the level of octane as well. What is this, and how could the body possibly produce such a vile substance and have, if it is produced, how do they continue to walk around? I would think that this, when introduced into a human body, would cause immediate illness and possibly death. Probably death. I also notice that it does seem to go into an evaporation after being removed from the body. Oh, it is coming to a boil and is 
very quickly evaporating. It looks like like I got isopropyl alcohol does. Interesting. Oh god, it's <laughs> making horrible smells. So good. <laughs> open the window. <laughs> okay, that's better. Better, much better. There we go. come back into the office and Lily kind of is sitting at her desk. Mm -hmm. She seems to have calmed since the first couple of days Mr. Rosberg was here. Uh, She seems to have gotten the paperwork on the desk in order and she seems to be lining up kind of what the rest of the weekend next week is going to look like. Go over and thank her. Lily, I want to thank you. Mm. You had my best interests at heart, and you always do. I was concerned that you that you would be angry with me. That not at all, my dear, not at all. I am not angry with you, even in the slightest. 
You had my best interests at heart. It is good to know that someone does that. You said at the time, you told me that Peru was the scariest place you'd ever been. You said it was worse than the war. If I said that, the war is bad. Unbelievably bad. Indescribably horrible. If I said that Peru was worse, well, this this does shine an interesting light on it. She takes out a book from one of her desk drawers. It's a thin book. Mm-hmm. She opens it up. When she opens it up, you see a rough kind of charcoal drawing of a, a man. It doesn't look like your handiwork. I sketched this. She turns it around mm-hmm. to you. I sketched this from your description. You see a man in a suit. Uh, someone who looks mm, not South American, maybe African, okay. maybe. Uh, he has a massive maw. Like his mouth has distended. And there are rows and rows of teeth in his mouth, all in a strange circular pattern. Lamprey? Kind of. Kind of like a lamprey or, yep. a, or a shark maw? Like a shark. Well, lamprey is probably lamprey closer. Lamprey is closer. Um, and you see his kind of almondy eyes. He, he looks completely alien from uh, a regular, every mm. average day show. He looks like he's a monster. There's something very wrong with this person. Yeah. And she says, you called him Mendoza. That was his name. Mendoza. Yes. You. She flips the drawing over and you see that there's text. She's written something back there. It says here that Mr. Doyle and Mr. Forsyth collided with him in some sort of fight and that even after they'd shot him and stabbed him repeatedly that he eventually came back. This is horrifying. I've heard stories of men with disabilities, but nothing I could place personally. She closes the book. I didn't write the rest of it, but I'll never forget what you said. What did I say? You were forced to remove his head to keep him from coming back. I can only hope this was an exaggeration, although a very deep part of me knows it probably wasn't. I have seen your face when you exaggerate either a, a patient's problem or uh, an, an issue with the, the amount of lemon cakes, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Woodson's wife will bring by for payment. This was not an exaggeration. She kind of um, fills her voice with a flutter of anxiety. I hope you come to peace with whatever happened in Peru. Well, Lily, it may be come to pass that in order to come to peace with what happened there, 
I may have to re-delve into what happened. I am here for you, Sigmund. She kind of sheepishly uses your first name. <laughs> I appreciate that, Lily. Your presence is a bastion of strength of mine. And we'll call it there. All right. I hope you've all enjoyed the uh, spotlight episode for uh, Dr. Sigmund Tottenbach. And then we will see you next week with an all new episode of the Old Ways Actual Play podcast. And uh, yeah, tell your friends and share it up. And hopefully uh, we'll get some good feedback continued in from you. And you can let us know how you like the show. Let us know. We love to hear it, guys. We love to hear from you. Have a good night. Have a great one.